Well, buckle up for safety, it's about to get cray. So I've titled this podcast the GT Series. Uh, that's probably uh, something that's going to be interesting since there's a car called a GT and not really trying to get into any of that, but, uh, GT is short for get Ula talk. Um, it is pretty much, uh, a fact now that, uh, we are the generation of the final redemption. And so we should act like it. Um, especially since it can be within our power to bring it. Um, and many things have to happen in order for that to, uh, continue to unfold and occur. We are now at the level of needing to pray that it be revealed apparently, um, which is kind of interesting and crazy to think about, but we know that obviously there's a shift in the atmosphere. And if you have been a part of Sarshalom and Lapid, you can see there is a giant shift in the atmosphere. And again, I cannot tell you how much it is uh, apparent to people who are not Jewish that um, they're just interested in knowing things just simple and flat out. You know, like, uh, for example, I was uh, questioned by a coworker of mine. Hey, you listen to any new songs lately? And it's like, no, but I'll be definitely looking forward to that in, in about two weeks from now. You know, and because I'm in the middle of the three weeks and it just he kind of looked at me and was like, what? And I was like, yeah, we're doing a three weeks right now. So no music for three weeks. But, you know, it'll be over at the end of next week. And he just kind of goes, uh, that's interesting, you know, and it was crazy because it took me off guard. Obviously, I wasn't expecting to talk about the three weeks, but I did. And it went across and it was just kind of like, oh, so there's three weeks of mourning. It's all about the temple and there's other stuff we do. Uh, but the main part is no music, which is harder. I guarantee you. Well, at least for me anyway, I don't know about y'all, but it's hard for me, uh, especially being a writer and like not writing songs like I haven't wrote songs for like a year. But now it's like, oh, three weeks. I can't write songs. What do you mean? I can't do it. I'm chewing on the walls and stuff. But anyway, uh, I talked about all this and it just kind of like, okay, so what else you got? You know, and it's just kind of like people are interested. So you sure this one time said the harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. And uh, I've been specifically praying for workers. So hopefully you have been, too, because we need them right about yesterday. Anyway, so Baruch Abba Shem Adonai. Blessed is he who comes in the name of Adonai. Yeshua said those words in the writings of Matthew because he said, you won't see my face again until you say this. Because our first century uh, community of believers and followers of Torah, followers of Hashem, you know, like didn't want Mashiach. We do. And uh, the temple was being bought and sold out by Rome. And, you know, now we don't have a temple that's bought out and sold to anybody. So <laughs> we want it built. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So anyway, with that being said, um, my GT series introduction is pretty much going to be the binary ballistic get you some mystic logistic 
futuristic. Yeah, mystic futuristic logistics. Okay. Now, I had to stop for that because this, I have my own say live for a second because I'm about to like really go with Gematria and Kabbalah, specifically Zohar. I know everyone's been chomping at the bit about Zohar, so have I, but uh, we teach at Zohar Shalom and Lapid that uh, you don't need to study Zohar and Kabbalah. Like, that is so far from what you need to be focused on. It's like, are you even a good person? Are you kind? You know, do you even love Hashem? You know, are you a true follower of Mashiach? Are you one with him? You know, do you even know what he said? And it's just kind of like, you know, there's all these steps before you pass go. So, uh, again, so I say buckle up your seatbelts because we're just going to do it all at once. Um, you know, since I'm Shomer Man, uh, to quote Iron Man from uh, Iron Man 1, sometimes you got to walk before you crawl uh, or, uh, you know, uh, let's go wheels of spinning we're on the clock and uh, that's from the avengers movie that particular quote when he was getting his new suit and jarvis was telling him that the new model was not ready yet and he's just like well it's time to go now we're on the clock so uh obviously i don't feel like we're all ready yet but if we're gonna be praying for the redemption then we're gonna need to know at least a little bit of this stuff um Namely, how the fi how the infinite works in the finite. So, before I launch out into this, let me start with Rabbi Trugman. Rabbi Trugman, uh, in his latest commentary on um, Pasha Masse, was talking about the borders of the land of Israel. Now, he's talking about there's this word that's used for limits, which is Totzotav. And so Totzotav is the word, it's limit. And so it says this describes the border in each of the four directions. Because, you know, Parsha, Matot, Mase, Bamibar, they, uh, they break down, you know, the, the borders for the land. So. Also in Yehoshua, there's more borders. And then let's see where else he says. So you got Mase, you got Joshua, you got uh, the return from Babylon. They do border talk. Uh, you got the borders that Abraham was promised in Bereshit. Then you got the borders promised in the Messianic era. So there's lots of different borders going on. But specifically this week, there's the word uh, Totzotav. So when you look at Todzotav, Rabbi Yitzhak Ginsberg, anytime you hear Rabbi Ginsberg, just duck and run for cover. Like it's just, I don't know what to tell you because it's going to get ridiculous. He says, the numeric value of this word is 913, the same as the word Bereshit, which is in the beginning. So the word for the limits of the, the borders of the land of Israel and in the beginning they have the same gematria. And it says, this is the first word of the Torah, Bereshit. Okay? This link between the land of Israel's border and the first word of the Torah reminds us of Rashi's very first comment on the Torah. 
which is, so now we're talking about Rashi's commentary on Bereshit 1.1. It says, why if the essence of the Torah is the commandments, does the Torah begin with the account of creation and not with the first commandment given to the Jewish people? Rashi answers this rhetorical question. <laughs> I love how he thought it was rhetorical. But anyway, it says uh, Rashi answers this rhetorical question by stating that in the future, the nations of the world will accuse the Jewish people of stealing the land of Israel. This one time Hashem gave us 10 commandments at least, which include the 613, but just at face value, they're 10. You can categorize all 613 into 10. That's why 6 plus 1 plus 3 is 10. Again, uh, this is the first part of Gematria, so you can count numbers like that. But anyway, um, says, or so what I was trying to say is that in, in the top 10, literally in the top 10, it says don't, no stealing. Like, do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Like, no stealing, no lying. You know, like, what is this? And it's just kind of like, well, I know Hashem said that to you, but you still, you stole the land of Israel and you're lying about it. It's just kind of like, okay, just, just want to point out here, Hashem told us not to steal. He also told us not to lie. So if we're saying that Israel belongs to the Jews and Hashem gave us this command, and he also told us not to steal or lie. I just want you to connect the dots on that real quick. But anyway, Rashi continues. He says, in order to preempt such a challenge, a challenge, a challenge, the Torah begins with the account of creation to establish once and for all the same God who created heaven and earth is the same one who gave the Jewish people the land of Israel. So there you go. And it goes on to say, this insight is quite relevant today when much of the world does in fact accuse us of stealing the Holy Land. In this sense, Rashi's commentary is truly prophetic. Now I'm sure Rashi didn't write that last phrase, but if he did, that would have been cool. Anyway, so... That's the little introduction from Trugman here. Uh, so now you got the limits of the land being the same Gematria as Bereshit. The final thing Trugman says on this particular commentary, he says, In the future, the creator's infinite energy will be revealed within the finite parameters of the physical world. I'm going to go ahead and insert. We've already seen this before with Mashiach Yeshua. This is how he was tired, but yet he didn't sleep. This is how he was hungry, yet he didn't eat. And so he experienced everything on a finite level, but he remained infinite at the face of it. This is how he multiplied the bread and the fish. This is how he walked on water. This is how he silenced the storms. This is how he healed people. This is how he knew all of our thoughts. He was in a finite form, but he was infinity at the same time. So anyway, back to Truman, though, he says, in a sense, the finite's ability to contain the infinite is the ultimate unity. Another insert here from Amet, Shomerman, that the ultimate unity is the word Yakid, which is the highest level of soul, which means like the one and only unique one, which is the level of Mashiach. And so, again, as I'm saying this commentary, this is... This is what was embodied in Mashiach, in which 
we will enter into in the coming glory. So, again, we got to get prepared for this. The beautiful thing about Hashem is he gives us a fade in time. Right now, if we so choose, and I do choose, I hope you choose, that this is a fade in time. So the more we can stretch our minds, the more we can lean not out on our own understanding, the more we can lose of ourself and find our true selves, which is losing our lives for the sake of Hashem, for the sake of Torah, for the sake of Yeshua, and gaining our true life, which is life everlasting. This is why Yeshua says, I come to give life and life more abundantly. So, the more we can do this, the more we can uh, begin to partake of this fruit, which is the purpose of the GT series. So, Bezrat Hashem, this will be something that is really good for us. Um, I just have to go ahead and sidestep for a second because as I'm listening to Rabbi Griffin's Aliyah Day, uh, that I definitely feel that, you know, the why of what we do is so important that the why on my podcast previously I said that, you know, this was really for me. This is like my little vocal or uh, dictionary or not dictionary journaling, you know, it's a vocal journaling for a met. And so it's like, what did I learn this week? Oh yeah, here it is. But really uh, the, the other part of my why is not just for a vocal diary, but to, uh, to just share the talent and the, the platform that Hashem has given me, which I love speaking. I've always wanted to be like a radio host. And so when I can be like, and everyone, welcome to our Parsha Get You Some or our Parsha GT series and kind of get my radio voice on uh, and just kind of go and just have no holes barred, you know, like, so this is kind of why I do this. And uh, furthermore, I do not consider myself a rabbi. I do not consider myself a Torah scholar. I do not consider myself a teacher even. Um, now, you may say you operate quite a bit in some of those things. And it's like, well, that may be true. But at the end of the day, when it comes to my credits, you know, I don't have any. So I'm totally fine with that. But I definitely want to make sure that I'm up front with that. So I've done like copious amounts of podcasting at least three years worth some of them are actually on soundcloud and they did not make the jump to anchor so you may look at anchor and be like oh you've only been doing this for like a year and a few months it's like well actually i did two years on soundcloud so there's still a lot going on but anyway uh so i don't consider myself any of those things but i do consider myself a get you some and now I consider myself a GT. So I will uh, give it all I got and uh, speak with the conviction that definitely happens to me every single day. Uh, so, yeah. So that's why I do this. I'm doing this uh, as my part in hastening the final redemption. So for what that's worth, just want to point that out there. Uh, next up here, back to Trugman who is a rabbi, just like our rabbi, Rabbi Griffin. Come on! A.K.A. Captain Israel. Get you some. So he says that, um, in a sense, the finite's ability to contain infinite is the ultimate unity. The finite's ability to contain infinite is the ultimate unity. The resolution of the paradox 
of how an infinite creator can relate to a finite world. In Hasidut, the experience of this paradox is captured by the Yiddish phrase in Welt ve Ois Welt, which is being in and out of the world at the same time. Like in it, but not of it. Yep. This redemptive reality is represented by Yisrael's holiness expanding to encompass the entire world. As the limited borders of this present physical reality will expand to encompass the infinite presence of God. Something to the effect of and the whole world will bow and acknowledge and render honor and bow every knee and confess Hashem is Adonai, his kingdom, may he reign forever and ever. Like Aleinu Leishabayak Ladon Akola, take Erulali Otebri Sheet. The Aleinu, the final prayer that we say for each of our prayer services. So the whole world is going to be this all encompassing uh, holiness of Israel. So, yes, the whole world ultimately will be Torah observant, whether they like it or not, but they will like it because this is how we were created. It's hard to not like something you were created from. I mean, you can, but it's futile. So this is why we have to be people of Shalom, as was brought down in Aliyah 4 from the Aliyah Day for Parsha Mato Mase. So anyway, um, be people of Shalom. Don't despise Hashem. Even if you want to, just know God is way bigger than you think he is. And whatever the church has been teaching for thousands of years, yes, there's some truth in it, but it's like um, particles of garbage and a brownie. Uh, the brownie looks awesome, smells awesome, but there's a whole lot in there that you don't want to consume. And because these bad brownies have gotten out for thousands of years, it's now really hard for people to really have a true connection with God, which if we just stuck with Torah in the first place like we were supposed to, this would not have been an issue. But it all had to happen for a reason, because we, first of all, as the Jews, we didn't do what we were supposed to. We did not take the Torah to the ends of the earth, like Yeshua told us to do in Acts chapter 1. So now we are, and we're having a whole lot of stuff we got to work through. Because we didn't do what we were supposed to do in the first place, there are some consequences now as we're doing what we're supposed to do. So it's the, the proverbial, you know, your parents asked you to clean your room, you waited, and uh, you got encouraged with some disciplinary measures, uh, some longer than others. <laughs> And now, with the consequences of those disciplinary measures, you're now cleaning your room. I.e., you either have a hurt face or a hurt bottom, or you have a mildly broken arm or something to the effect. Just kidding. No child abuse. But uh, when I, the way I was raised, you know, I'm just saying, I'm just going to put that out there. You know, we, we raised children a little differently back in the 80s and the 90s. So... Anyway, um, yeah, so that's what makes me the better man that I am today, and also because of my Eshikayu. So there's also that. Um, anyway, it's important that we do what we're supposed to do, 
And even though we have a lot to work against, that doesn't mean that it's not worth it. So many people say, oh, I can't believe you're falling away from the grace of Hashem. I can't believe you're, you know, leaving Yeshua. And I, I thought you used to believe in him. I thought you used to be a good Christian. And it's like, well, a good Christian is actually a good Jew. And uh, falling away from the grace of Messiah is actually not keeping the Shabbat. Uh, you know, calling the Messiah by a different name is also not loving Hashem, uh, because Hashem, you know, we we uh, give way to His name. Why not give way to His Son's name? I'm just saying. So when you really get down to the crux of everything, you know, uh, other faiths that say they believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but they do not observe Rosh Hashanah. I'm just saying the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob said you should keep Rosh Hashanah. You shouldn't be keeping uh, a Norse god or some kind of uh, pagan festival that has to do with winter and Yule logs. Like, what is this? This is not in the Torah. If it's not in the Torah, it's probably not something that's going to help you draw closer to Hashem. Because that's what the Torah is for. If you celebrate Rosh Hashanah versus celebrating Xmas, I guarantee you I have a very, very different relationship with God. Anyway, don't have time to pull punches, so not trying to punch anybody, but, uh, you know, people run into fists all the time. Just saying. Just kidding. Okay, half kidding. Back to Rabbi Trugman, though. Says so the redemption, the redemptive reality is represented by Israel's holiness expanding to encompass the entire world as the limited borders of this present physical reality will expand to encompass the infinite presence of God until then, until then, i.e. until Mashiach returns. We need to use our thoughts, our speech and our action to create vessels that will prepare the world for that era may it come to pass speedily and in our days so i want to give a shameless uh plug and shout out uh holla at your boy if you will to bill uh this is a not our bill that's in our uh shul uh, mr wilson but uh aka ant-man but our uh, a, a gentleman that actually contacted our shul, his name is Bill, and he is uh, into quantum mechanics and all sorts of crazy, insane visions and sciences and double split theory, you know, just to name a few things. Uh, neuroplasticity, just to name another few things. So, you know, simple stuff. But, you know, I love math and science growing up. And I've always wanted to go more and more in depth with that. And it's just kind of like, well, the middle week of the three weeks, which represents the week of Shabbat, by the way, because the three Shabbats you experience during the three weeks represent the pilgrimage festivals. We studied this um, last year uh, at Sar Shalom. So during the three week study, we learned about that the first second and third Shabbat of that is a so your first Shabbat is a Pesach Shabbat. Your second Shabbat's a Shabbat Shabbat, and your third one, a final one, is a Sukkot Shabbat. And you got, you know, Shabbat Hagadot or Slika, Shabbat Chazon, which is the Shabbat before Tishbaav, which coincides with Sukkot Shabbat. 
So like this whole thing that I, I mentioned before, kind of jokingly, but it's true that, you know, we're in the quantum realm, so to speak, right now for these three weeks, because we're entering into an appointed time that has been just kind of on the calendar uh, in Judaism for centuries, for millennia. And uh, this time we're experiencing the same Kedusha, the same opportunities as we experienced before, which is the important reason why we should be tikkuning this time. Number one, the spies were in the land and they were coming up with Lashon Hara to bring back uh, for bad reports, which would have coincided with Tisha B'Av. So during these three weeks, they're figuring out what can they say to prevent us from going into the land. So during these three weeks, our tikkun is figuring out what we could say, what we can do, what we can think, and, you know, thought, speech, and action, what we can do to take the land and get in there and bring Mashiach. And, uh, you know, this time on the calendar was when the temples were destroyed. You know, this is when the walls were breached in Jerusalem. The tablets were broken. We were making golden calves. It's like, okay, so one, two, three, no golden calf. Break, you know, kind of thing. Literally break the golden calf. We don't need any. You know, we don't want any. We don't need another hero kind of thing. Um, So we can't sing right now. So it's so tempting to sing that song. We don't need another hero. But uh, that coincided with, you know, idols being set up in the temple, Torah scrolls being burned, you know, all sorts of desecrations and horribleness. So as much as we can do to just lump it on, like bring as much lapid as you got. If you're a Avenger, like go crazy with your superpower. If you're not a Avenger and you want to be a Avenger, find your superhero and give him a Jewish name and you're that person and you need to get with it. Um, Hashem is giving us like you can just grab whatever you want to grab. Look around you. There are so many things that you can just bring, you know, tikkun for elevate, you know, um, do more Torah study, do more prayer, do more acts of kindness, you know, um, all sorts of things. So whatever is at your fingertips, you know, even your phone, find more posts on Torah, find more posts on Yeshua from a Torah standpoint, which I guess your option right now is Lapid. Uh, there's probably other people out there. So wherever y'all are, y'all can come forth. It'd be, uh, you know, it's about time. Because we needed y'all yesterday, but uh, that's cool. Uh, so, yeah, anybody, just Lapid, Yeshua, Torah, Mitzvot, Hashem, you know, final redemption, you know, Eretz Israel, you know, Geula, which is redemption. We need it all right now. And Geula, uh, the gematria of Geula is the same as, uh, what was this word? Adam which is 45. So Geula. So here we go with Gematria. All right. So I'm going to go ahead and pull up my Gematria calculator. By the way, if you're an iPhone user, you can use iGematria or um, you can use the Trugmans.com. Let's see here. Yep, the Trugmans.com. They have a Gematria, a word in Gematria Tanakh search tool. It was built by David Comer. So uh, so that's cool. 
So let, I'm going to go ahead and use that one since I have it pulled up. So Geula, you have to know Hebrew though. So you have to know Gemel. Got to know how to spell. So we're going to learn how to spell Geula today, everybody. So Gemel, Aleph, Lamed. Where's my Lamed? Then ran away. Oh, there it is. Uh, hey. So Gemel, Aleph, Lamed, Hey. Gematria. is 39 and you add in the vav for the u sound hang on oh you also need a hebrew keyboard if you have one you can go to your system settings and add in hebrew for your keyboard languages yep it is 45 which is adam it's also one of the divine names mem hey and it's also the word me'od. And it's also the phrase hu haya avi. First of all, me'od means like very much or exceedingly. Like me'odeka, like ve'ahavta et Adonai eloheka ve'kolevavka uvkol nafshika uvkol me'odecha. Like with all your resources. You shall love Adonai your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, or with all your resources. With all your strength or with all your resources is Me'odeka. So Me'od and Hu Haya Avi is He shall be my father. So the redemption uh, has those gematrias 45. Add 4 plus 5 together and you get 9, which is the uh, condensed gematria of the word emet, which is truth. Truth, Aleph Mem Tav, is 441. 4 plus 4 plus 1 is 9. So there's a whole drop on 9, however, all these different words equal 9. Uh, and that's what, like, it's just, it's outrageous. So, um, so yeah. So Geula, that's what we need to focus on. We need to get our minds expanded. Uh, and before I continue on in Gematria, I want to also bring... No, I'm going to stay with Gematria real quick. Keep everything all together, right? Got to be organized. Okay, so what is Gematria? So if you've gone to the Orchadash website, which is the Trugmans.com, then you're seeing this information. Uh, if you scroll down, it says introduction to the world's first advanced online word in Gematria search. So here's the thing. It says one of the most important of the 13 rules. OK, one plus three is four. Four is the Dalit. The Dalit is the door. Yeshua is the Dalit. OK, so literally the way to interpret Torah is through the Dalit, which is Yeshua the door anyway says the 13 one of the 13 rules by which we interpret the torah found in the beginning section of the morning prayers if you have a sidur if you go in the the morning prayer section there's something called the 13 principles uh there's 13 principles of faith but there's also the 13 rules of the uh interpreting the torah which is interesting because you put the 13 principles with the 13 rules 13 plus 13 is 26, which is the numerical value for the divine name of the Yod and Hay with the Vav and Hay 
i.e. Hashem. And when we're reading uh, Torah or when we're praying, we pronounce it as Adonai. So this is all can be found in your Siddur as well. So anyway, one of the 13 principles for interpreting the Torah is called Gezerah Shavah. Gezerah Shavah is loosely translated similar words in different contexts are meant to clarify one another. Okay, so yeah, obviously it's easier to just say Gezerah Shavah. And it says, this device is used literally hundreds of times in the Talmud to shed light on issues ranging from Jewish law, i.e. Halakha, to the eluded allegorical and mystical meaning of the text. Quite simply, it is the way we connect the dots of Torah and life itself. So, the easiest one, Mashiach and Nechash. Okay, Mashiach is obviously Messiah. Nechash is serpent. They both have a gematria of 358. So what do we know about Mashiach and what do we know about the Nechash? We know the Nechash ultimately uh, tempted us to eat from the fruit of the tree, which is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which brought sin, death, and sickness, and all sorts of horribleness into the world through something we ate. But it all was preempted and tempted, or it was all tempted by the Nakash. So now we have Mashiach, who Mashiach is the one who brings us out of the sin, the sickness, and death, and also teaches us, pay attention what you eat, <laughs> because that's important. Uh, all foods have always been clean, so that's never been an issue. So nothing has changed about Kashrut. We need to be obedient, <laughs> as was spoken in the beginning. So I'm here to help you go back to what you lost, and I'm here to crush the head of the serpent, and I'm here to do the same thing that the serpent did to you, but to bring the opposite effect. The Nechash tempted us to sin. Mashiach tempted us to righteousness. Because he says, you know, if you take my yoke upon you, you know, and learn of me, which his yoke is the yoke of heaven, which is the yoke of Torah. And then he also says, you know, my words are not my own, but they're the words of the one who sent me, i.e. Hashem. If we believe Mashiach is from somebody else, then we don't think his words are from Hashem. And that's how we can follow some other faith. But anyway, we know Mashiach came from Hashem, so that's why we follow Torah. Um, so, yeah, so his his life, his death, which, by the way, he died on a tree, probably the same tree that we ate from. Just throwing that out there. So you can kind of see with Mashiach and the Kosh that that's pretty much what we have. All right. Continuing on with introducing Gematria, it says, through using this easy to use program, you can type in a word in Hebrew and virtually, virtually instantaneously see written out in all the places of the Tanakh, which is the 24 books of the Bible. Two plus four is six. And six is the number Vav, or Slika six corresponds to the letter Vav, which the letter Vav represents Mashiach. So there's a whole drop on Vav and Mashiach. 
uh, ask Hasis Boz about that and you will get your mind blown. But anyway, um, maybe I should ask him to do that next time we do a Haftarah drop. Just be like, hey, Hasis, can you talk about Bob and Mashiach for just one second? Anyway, we've done it before. We should do it again because it's just that fun. Anyway, um, so there's 24 books. So the whole Tanakh represents Mashiach. So there's that. So what's up with the Basora, like the gospel accounts and like the letters, which is like the epistles and what's up with Revelation, you know? Okay, so nothing's up with any of those. Um, they're actually beautiful Jewish texts. The Basora actually is a beautiful um, expansion of the Tanakh because the Torah itself is talking to us. So we want to hear that, right? <laughs> You know, so that's kind of important. That's that's up there with the Torah. You know, really, when you think about it, that uh, Yeshua's words are giving us those inner dimensions that we read about in uh, copious amounts of Jewish literature. Uh, so nothing Yeshua really says is new. Anyway, it's just renewed and it exists somewhere. Uh, also, the same thing goes with the letters. Uh, the letters were never meant to pull us away from Torah. They were only meant to encourage us more in Torah. They're to bring up some uh, some clarity and clarification to different uh, points of halakha, different points of midrash, you know, and things like that. So this is why they're so easily taken out of context. This is why they're also so easily twisted and corrupted. Because if you don't have a Torah to anchor them to, then you can do whatever you want with it. Paul can be, you know, practically a Buddhist. If you really look at it, you know, with peace, love and happiness going on, uh, which I don't know if that's what those people do. But, you know, you can, like I said, you can do whatever you want to do with them if you don't anchor it to Torah, which has been done. Uh, if you don't have any commentary to give you a foundation of, you can make your own and you can do your own thing. And that's what happened in 325 and forward. So this is why it is hard for those of us who have believed in Messiah Yeshua, who were raised a certain way outside of Torah. This is hard for us to kind of deprogram and get back into the actual truth. But the, the crazy thing about this is, is for those of us who don't want to enter into Torah, who don't want to go back to the first century Judaism, um, this is going to hurt. You don't know the Messiah that you're proclaiming. And this has already been seen before in Egypt because many people were yelling out Zaphonah Paneach, Zaphonah Paneach is my homeboy, Zaphonah Paneach is my savior. And you're like, Amet, who is Zaphonah Paneach? Well, if you look in Parashami Kates, you'll find out Zaphonah Paneach is the name Pharaoh gave to Yosef. Just like Rome gave the name Yeshua, or Jesus to Yeshua. And so everyone's running around saying, JC this, JC that, JC is my homeboy, JC is my buddy. You know, that's my king, that's my hood, you know, and it's just kind of like, but his name isn't JC. And same way in Egypt, like a lot of people didn't know his name was Yosef. Like Yosef, like Ben Yaakov. So, 
when you really think about the the gravity of that, you know, how much could the people of Egypt truly know about Yosef if they didn't even know his name was Yosef, much less what his background was? What did he do outside of, you know, his role as the viceroy? You know, there's much more to Yeshua than what happened in the first century. You got to go literally all the way back to the letter Beit, which is the first letter of the Torah. That's where you start to learn about Yeshua from right there. And when you get into that, you'll even learn that it was before that bet because Yeshua was with Hashem in the beginning. And I'm talking about the beginning before the in the beginning. Because we learned the Torah was always with Hashem and, you know, Mashiach existed with Hashem before creation. The throne, the Torah, Hashem, the Ruach HaKodesh, Teshuva, like all these things. And Hashem is a Echad. So if you connect all those dots, Yeshua saying, I am Echad with Hashem. I am one with Hashem. I and my father are one. That's what that means. They literally are. There's like... You can't just say Yeshua is over here, Hashem is over here, the Spirit's over here, the Torah is over here, because you got to start like sparsing out all these things. And then if you really did that, it'd be way more than a trinity. It would be an infinity. But nobody has time to talk about that. So I'm going to continue on about Gematria. So uh, it says, by studying these appearances, we begin to see connections we may have never seen before. Meanings on multiple levels began to literally jump off the page. Gematria, which is spelled, by the way, it doesn't, it's not spelled the way it sounds. Gematria is G-E-M-A-T-R-I-A. Gematria. It says, this is the Jewish numerology. It works according to the same principle. In Hebrew, each letter has a numerical equivalent. According to the Kabbalah, if two words or phrases share the same number, they are considered to possess some significant connection. Gematria reveals a deeper set of correspondences as seen in the literal text and points to an entire mathematical structure underlying the Torah. Similar to how physics and chemistry rest on a mathematical foundation, so too the deeper dimensions of Torah are revealed through Gematria. I just want to cut in real quick and say that movie, The Matrix, this is where they get it from. You know, the whole thing Neo can see, which, by the way, Neo rearranges to one. Uh, and when he is the one, you know, he can see all this stuff. He can see how everything is related and whatnot. And he sees in binary form, there's all these different numbers. And so that truly is how creation is. When you really look at the, uh, if you were to spin the face here and look behind, uh, like, you know how you take a panel off of something and then you can see all the wiring and stuff. Well, if you were to, re, quote unquote, remove the veil of creation and see through Torah lenses, you could see the mathematics. And this is kind of what I've been actually experiencing as the three weeks have been continuing on because I've been doing the letters 
where I'm taking one letter each day because there's actually 22 days in these three weeks from the 17th of Tammuz to the 10th of Av because, you know, the 9th of Av is actually the the final day of it, but some of the restrictions go into the 10th. So it's kind of a 22-day period instead of a 21-day period, which 22, there are 22 letters of the alphabet. So you can learn your alphabet through the three weeks, one day at a time, literally. So uh, as of this podcast, I am beginning to be on the letter Mem, which is so funny because the way this all timed and worked out, Mem is my favorite letter. Um, not supposed to have favorites, but it is. And uh, it's also the middle letter of my name. It's the name Mazel and I share uh, in common as far as our names. And because, uh, you know, that's just legit. But uh, Mem is just, it's a, it's amazing. It represents Torah, it represents Moshe, it represents Mashiach. Like, can it get any better than that? Probably can. It's called 22 letters altogether, Aleph Tav. Anyway. Because when you see Aleph Tav, that can also be 22 because that's telling you all of the Hebrew together or the whole entire Torah. Aleph Tav means entire Torah, entire Aleph Bet, all of creation, because all of creation was made from Aleph through Tav. Anyway, so all of that to say, uh, yeah, the, the Matrix movie, they hit it right on the money, pun intended. Okay, the Hebrew letters are explained to be the building blocks of creation. See, Aleph Tav. Similar to how a physicist or a chemist would describe the world as consisting of atoms, particles, molecules, and elements. The Jewish tradition describes the same function to the Hebrew letters. Although the language of science and Torah are different, they are both describing the same reality. Yet it is not the Kabbalah alone which employs Gematria. The Talmud and Rashi also use this unique learning. Uh, this, they also use this technique of learning on occasion in order to point out a uh, cogent idea. And it has been used as well by a wide range of commentators throughout the ages. And as much as Kabbalah seeks to make known the oneness of God and the interconnectedness of all reality, Gematria assumes a major role in revealing this through the Torah text. So, uh, I'm going to read one more paragraph and then I encourage you to uh, just kind of finish out all this on your own because he breaks down charts and all sorts of stuff. It's beautiful. So again, that's the Trugmans.com. Check them out. All right. So it says, when the letters of a word are permutated, which means rearranged. So you ever played the game Scrabble? If you haven't, you should probably start. And what better way to do it than with the Torah? So start playing Scrabble with letters. Okay. Look at Amet, uh, Aleph Mem Tav can be Mem, te, mem Tav Aleph or Tav Mem Aleph or Tav Aleph Mem or Mem Aleph Tav, you know, all sorts of ways. So start rearranging those letters. When you rearrange the letters, you also rearrange the numbers. Mem is 40 um, and, you know, Mem is uh, 
four because you can take off the zeros of all of your double digits or triple digits or however many digits after that single. So if you have 100, 1000 or one, it can all be simplified to one. So obviously that's your olive, that's your kuf, that's your yod. So you can interchange all those. Anyway, it can get pretty intense real fast. So again, buckle up for safety. It's probably too late to tell you that, but I warned you in the beginning. So, okay. All right. So permutated, they form other words that are intrinsically connected. An entire book, the Tikkuni Zohar, explains the many permutations of the six letters of the first word of the Torah, Bereshit, which is in the beginning. So in doing so, it reveals a profound understanding of the creation and the divine creative process. This technique of permuting letters plays an important role in Kabbalistic wisdom. Alternative alphabets are similarly based on exchanging letters in an orderly manner, revealing deeper and more hidden aspects of Torah. So the possibilities are nearly infinite and so on and so forth. Okay, so that's that. All right. So now for my next thing that I want to get into is the Kabbalah. This word is thrown around like like hotcakes. You know, it's just like, don't say that Kabbalah word. Don't say the K word. Don't say the the Zohar like this demonic stuff like People just lose their mind. Some people get really excited and some people get really like, I can't believe you said that you dishonor my family prepared to die, you know, like all sorts of stuff. But uh, beautifully enough, show enough pinkish uh, on Parsha Maasei, Maasei, um, I must say he uh, he killed it on this, like kosher slaughtered 50 lambs in one post. So he releases his commentary this week on Parsha Masay. And he's talking about the uh, upcoming yard site of, uh, let's see here, on the 5th of Av, we celebrate the passing to the Alam Haba of one of our chief shepherds. Literally, it says the holiest of the holy, Rabbeinu Yitzhak ben Luria, known to us as the Arizal. So the fifth of Av coming up, by the way, the month of Av is also called Menachem Av. So like our comforter father is what that really translates to. So anyway, the fuller name of the month of Av is Menachem Av, which is a name of Mashiach, by the way, Menachem. That's what the Mem stands for. And on the fifth day of that month is the yard site of uh, Rabbi Yitzhak ben Luria. So lots of um, honor for, for uh, the Arizal. So it says during the darkness of the Galut, which is the exile, he illuminated the world with the clear, brilliant light of Torah mysticism, which is called Torah Hanistar. Now, Hanistar actually relates to the word Chain, which is grace. 
because grace, chain, is spelled chet, noon. And then you can say chokma nistar, which is hidden wisdom or Torah, like hidden Torah wisdom, which is grace. So really the grace movement should be about the hidden wisdom in the Torah. But that's neither here nor there because no one talks about that either. I guess they don't have time for this Torah stuff. But anyway, so Torah, Torah, Hanistar, um, hidden wisdom, the Torah mysticism, uh, Rabbi Arizal, just, you know, he, he throws that down. So he opens up, you know, getting us ready for that. Parsha Masay. And he goes on to saying, this is again, this is Shavile Pincus. Uh, I call him Show Enough Pincus because he Show Enough is. Uh, it says, this is on page two of his uh, commentary for Parsha Masse. It says, Rabbi Zevi Elimelech of Dinov, may his memory be for a blessing, is the author of the Bene Yisakar. And in his commentary on Hatafot Mehartza 6, he says at the beginning of the Sefer, uh, there's an allusion related to Daniel's prophetic vision or prophetic revelation regarding the future Geula. Daniel 12, 12. It says, praiseworthy is he who waits, who awaits and reaches to 1,300 35 years so that's daniel 12 12 that little phrase praiseworthy is he who awaits and reaches to 1335 years okay it says he asserts that hakadosh baruku alludes to us in the pasuk in the verse the year in which the arizal would reveal the torah hanistar which is the concealed Torah, to his disciple, which is Rabbi Chaim Vital. May his memory be for a blessing. Let us explain the word Elif, which Elif can mean 1,000, by the way, but also means leaders or the leader. And it's also the word for Aleph. So any one of those, if you spell it backwards, is the word Pela, which is a wonder and then it says, so the word Elif in the Pasuk alludes to the fifth millennium. Because this is the, the phrase uh, 1,000, like 1,335, it says Elif, and then so on and so forth. Literally, Elif Shalosh Me'ot is the phrase. So Elif says alludes to the fifth millennium, which corresponds to the fifth attribute, the Mita the attribute, the character trait of Hod. Hod is like glory, it's splendor. It says Hod represents the left thigh. Stand by on this because I'm going to break this all down in just a second. Okay, so it says which was controlled by the elements of Dean, which is judgment, and the Klepot, which are the forces of impurity. So the whole thing about the left thigh, hoed, 
this is during the fifth millennium and this is when the judgment of the forces of impurity uh, had control and it says consequently all of the decrees of persecution and destruction occurred in the fifth century as alluded to by the pasuk daniel 10 8 and my hode transformed to destruction the other numbers which is the shelosh meot shaloshim vechamisha allude to the 335 years in the sixth millennium after the conclusion of the fifth millennium for it was in that year that the Arizal revealed the secrets of Torah to his Talmud Rebenu Chaim Vital thus flickers the future Geula so thus flickers of the future Geula began to shine at that time in the merit of the secrets of Torah that our master the Arizal revealed in the Zohar HaKodesh this is consistent with the remark of Raya Mehemna, who is said to have the Nashama of Moshe Rabbeinu. So something about Moshe was definitely apparent in Raya Mehemna. And it says, so this is a remark of Raya Mehemna to Rashbi, extolling the virtues of studying the Zohar HaKodesh. This is from Zohar Naso 124b. Since Yisrael are destined to taste from the Eitz Hakaim, which is the tree of life, which is none other than the book of the Zohar, they will emerge from the Galut to Rachamim. They will emerge from exile to mercy and with regards to them the following will be fulfilled devarim 32 12 hashem alone guided him and there was no foreign god with him so in other words anyone who has lived in the year 5335 was fortunate to witness the beginning of the redemption for in that year, Arizal unveiled the secrets of Torah. As we have learned, in the merit of studying them, we will merit the future Geula, the future redemption. So getting out of Galut and getting into Geula started yesterday. All right. So now you heard me say hold left thigh, all this kind of stuff. Well, here's the thing. So there's these thing called uh, sephirot, right? And there's 10 of them. And so when you look at the 10 sephirot, this is also called the tree of life and um, spooky Kabbalah, yoga, Eastern mysticism, because yes, they're all related. Yes, they're all related. I know I said I don't have any credits, but I can tell you that. Um, all you got to do is listen to simple yoga testimonies and you'll find out that they're all connected and they're all not good. <laughs> so anyway, but Sefer wrote, though, uh, from a Torah standpoint, i.e. from the Zohar, from the like the sages, uh, this is from Rabbi Moshe Miller. He brings this down. He says the Sefer wrote represents various stages of 
of the divine creative process. Let me back up for a second. The Sephirot, the Tree of Life, the Kabbalah. This is what when you Google, you start seeing circles and they got like little words in them like wisdom, understanding, beauty, glory, splendor, Malkut, kingdom, like all this kind of stuff. And they've been all tricked out, uh, for lack of a better terms. You have a Catholic, uh, like some kind of Zen uh, Kabbalah thing. You have like all these um, chakras and all sorts of stuff. But you need just a basic, simple, you know, here's my 10 circles with the words. You know, you can best to put them in Hebrew, but uh, if you can just do simple circles and all that those little lines that are connected uh make sure they don't have any words in them make sure they're not the sephirot aren't on a human body uh even though we'll talk about that in a little bit but just get the basic 10 circles the kabbalah tree of life 10 sephirot because you need to start there and not get all crazy uh, this is crazy enough but you know, you want to get the proper, uh, for lack of a better term, pun probably intended, you want to get the proper channel. Okay, don't don't steal somebody else's cable and don't be like hacking in the channels you don't need to be watching. Okay, stick to basic cable, which is the 10 rope with the 10 words in them. Uh, the top would say Keter, the bottom will say Kingdom. You know, top left is going to say wisdom, like Chokmah. And then the top right is going to say Bina, which is understanding. And the middle, the after you go down from Keter, go straight down, you'll see Da'at, which is knowledge. By the way, this is the fiery Torah, the right hand of Hashem, as spoken about in Devarim 33.2. He says, I have given to you my fiery law from my right hand, Eshdat. Literally, fiery knowledge is the Da'at, the Torah, directly extends from Keter, okay? Which Keter is the crown, it's beyond all of creation. This is Hashem outside of the proverbial box, is the Keter. Uh, and when we talk about where Keter falls, when you look at the picture of a human body, this would be where we put our kippah or our tekel if you're a woman. Okay, kippah if you're a guy, tekel if you're a woman. Women don't wear kippahs. Men don't wear tekels. Just in case I needed to point that out. I did attend a shul that uh, the women were wearing kippot. And I thought I thought that, that was weird. Especially since they said they were Jewish. And it's just kind of like, I don't know what kind of Jewish synagogue this was. But this wasn't right. Anyway, I digress. So, back to Rabbi Moshe Miller. He says... The Sephirot represent the various stages of the divine creative process, thereby God generated the progression of created realms culminating in our finite physical universe. This is why we talk about, um, Shaul brings this down in his writing to the Corinthians, that the invisible is more real than the visible, and the invisible is eternal while the visible is uh, finite so everything we see now this is not going to last but the things that we can't see those are the things that will last okay you can look that up trust me Shaul wrote that to the Corinthians okay don't trust me I know I'm like do I trust you do I not trust you what, what's going on man okay 
let's go ahead and get this all taken care of. So let me get my get my bearings here. Talk about the invisible and Corinthians. Uh, see here. Stand by one moment. Thank you for your patience. It is 2 Corinthians 4, 18. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, i.e. we don't fix our eyes on the visible, but what is invisible. For what is seen, what is visible is temporary, but what is unseen, invisible, is eternal. There you go. So, yeah. Anyway, so when you start looking at the um, the Sephirot and when you start looking at the worlds and all that kind of stuff, there are four levels which represent each letter of the divine name. That's why there's four of them, because all of creation exists in him and we are the lowest of the worlds. There are worlds above us. That's why it says, you know, he's the he rules the heavenlies and uh, the higher worlds. If you've ever heard any of that kind of talk. Uh, that's where that comes from. So it says that God generated this progression of created realms culminating in our finite physical universe. So we're like after everything is processed out. This is where we are. OK, it says the Sephiroth constitute the interacting components of a single metaphysical structure whose imprint can be identified at all levels and within all aspects of creation. The Sephiroth basically exists not only as individual entities. Okay, so you can't just start breaking down Bina and just be like, all right, I'm doing a Bina day. And it's like, no, anytime you separate out the Sephiroth, like anytime you separate them, um, you get yourself into a world of trouble. Uh, there are lots of meditation practices that happen. This comes with yoga and Eastern mysticism, by the way, that it's like, all right, we're going to take Bina and we're going to focus and we're going to lift our right arm. I don't know if they say that, but they do something where you like you chant, say all these different Hebrew words, you uh, breathe. There's all about your rhythm and all sorts of stuff. You got to work yourself up, obviously, in a very comfortable way. And you want to get basically a little bit high from basically too much oxygen and chanting all these phrases and focusing on this this particular sephira once you do that you end up getting what's called a spirit guide and the spirit guide will come to you i'm a messenger of the most high you know i'm here to lead you and guide you in all truth some sort of stuff like that sound a real holy spirit like but, you know, I should caution you that uh, Yeshua says many false messiahs have gone out into the world. Many false ones will come to you in my name. Um, there's also the written, the understanding that Hasatan can cast himself as an angel of light. So there's all sorts of stuff going on. Anyway, so and besides, just think about how you got to that point. If you were working yourself up into this trance, if you did that. You were far from Torah in the first place. So why in the world do you think you're going to be led back to Torah? This is the same um, example of a person who's going to go get crack 
and start doing crack and think, oh, man, I just had the most spiritual. I had the most spiritual experience of my life. It's like, no, you were high. You could have died. And by the way, don't smoke crack. Like we make jokes about crack. It's like, don't do it. Say no to crack. Like, have you ever heard that? You know, same thing with all this chanting in this practical Kabbalah, which is another name for spooky Kabbalah or Madonna Kabbalah, Tom Cruise Kabbalah, any of that. No cruise control. Okay, just put it down. Say no to crack. Okay, so you can you can do that. And this, by the way, would be the uh, epitome to use the matrix of hacking. Okay, you can hack the system. Remember, it's all code. It's all binary. Hack it. You know, you can do it. The problem is when you hack something, you create back doors. It's also illegal. You can get arrested for that. So you don't want to be hacking stuff. Namely, you don't want to hack the system of creation because that's just that's just bad. Uh, Hashem has given us the way, the truth and the life. He expects us to follow it. If we think we can do it some other way, if we want to take shortcuts, then um, we're in for literally a world of trouble. Because, you know, people who get into these trances and things like that, they don't realize how far away from God they actually are and how much in the darkness thinking it's light they are that, you know, you just get spiritually robbed. And, it's, and you thought you had the most amazing experience ever. But let's bring it down to a simple Peshat level. When we sin, we get spiritually robbed. But we think everything's fine. We think, oh, man, that felt so good. You know, and it's just kind of like, but you sinned and you committed a horrible crime against God. You grieved the Holy Spirit um, and you've distanced yourself from God. You've literally cut off some of your vitality when you sin. And it's just like, it doesn't feel like it. I mean, I can repent now. It's just like, well, yeah, you can do that. You can make tikkun. The only problem is, though, uh, if this continues to happen, I mean, it's, it's not looking good. So don't don't sin uh, as much as possible and uh, don't smoke crack as much as possible and don't hack and uh, stay away from practical Kabbalah. Okay, so anyway, that's my introduction to the Sephirot, is that um, they're a system of worlds taking us into higher elevations, and we need to do that appropriately. And uh, that takes me to my next point. Uh, this is still from Rabbi Miller. He says, the Sephirot exists not only as individual entities, in addition to their separate and unique identities, they also interact in configurations depicted in Kabbalistic texts as having the structure of the human body. This is called the Zelim Elohim, the supernal image of God. This is why the word of God was made flesh, by the way, everybody, because if you really get down into the higher worlds and all the spirituality and all of creation, it forms a human body. The temple itself forms a human body. Um, that was also brought down by Shodanoff Pincus this week. And he got that from... Where did he get that from? 
He got that from Zohar HaKadosh Shalak 161a. So, a human body. This is why we were made in the image of Hashem. So, like, that should not be a surprise to us. So, the temple, the Torah, all of creation, it's in the form of a human body. This is why it is crazy for us to think, oh, man, I, I can't believe in God. Like, I don't know about him. I'll be I'll be an atheist or God don't love me. It's just like, well, you're in his body. You're like literally hidden in him because like creation, you know, higher worlds and stuff, they form a human body and you're in it. So we, we live, move and have our very being in Hashem. So just saying. I mean, I don't know what else to say. It's just kind of like it's it's crazy. There are veils everywhere. It's just like God doesn't love me. It's like if you only knew he created you, he gave you breath in your nostrils like he personally oversaw that you would be created. I'm pretty sure he doesn't hate you. OK, anyway, uh, so, yeah, so this is called the image of Hashem. It says so just like the body, the Sephirot are arranged in a vertical or in vertical arrays along three parallel axes. Okay, so three parallel axes, you have your middle, your left, and your right. So it's each representing a mode of divine influence upon creation. Hence, each sephira is associated with the particular limb or organ that corresponds to its position in the anatomical sephirotic structure. This configuration is also referred to in Kabbalistic literature as sulam, which is the word for ladder, like the ladder of Jacob, or it's referred to as eights, which is a tree, which is so funny because when it comes to the ladder, Yeshua says you will see angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man, and upon the son of man has the same gematria as Sulam, which is ladder, because, you know, Mashiach truly is that image of God, the Zelim Elohim. And then you have eights. And we learn from Parsha Shoftim and, and uh, Sefer Devarim and Deuteronomy that man is called a tree of the field. And when Yeshua healed a particular gentleman who was blind you know, he took some mud, he spinned it, rubbed it together and put it on his eyes and then asked him, what did he see? And he said, I see men. They're walking around like trees. And then it's just like, that's great because you got like infinite vision going on right now. You're understanding that men truly are trees because this is the this is the image of Elohim. And so all of that's going on. And uh, yeah. So and then obviously he does it again and he's like, oh, I can see now. OK, great. And it's just like, well, that's a lower vision, but we don't need to talk about that. That's another story for another time. And so uh, you got the ladder, you got the tree, you got the human body. Okay, so let's go back to Shonuf Pincus. And uh, Shonuf Pincus brings down all these connections here. So he says... Um, a tefillah is printed in Sha'arei Zion after Tikkun Chatzot. Okay, so the gates of Zion, Sha'arei Zion. Tikkun is the repair. Chatzot is like the nighttime. 
It says, based on the words of the Arizal, it says, Master of the universe, I hereby intend to make my entire body a chariot for the Shekinah. Okay, so we can just say that phrase right there and we're done. Like, Shema Yisrael, you know, and just go right into that and, like, bring the redemption. You know, that's like bazooka prayer right there. Okay, anyway, it says, then he goes on to specify how each part of the body serves as a divine chariot. Okay, let's break this down. The skull is a chariot for Keter. Okay, so this is your top sephirot. My brain is a chariot for Chokmah. Okay, so you got your other bubble. Then it says, my heart is a chariot for Bina. Then you got your right bubble. And then it says, my right arm is a chariot for Chesed. So that's your arm, the Chesed, the kindness. Then it says, my left arm is a chariot for Gevura. This is judgment or boundaries, limitations. Okay, you set, set boundaries. Don't let people walk all over you. My body, like my middle trunk part here, my chest, my uh, rib cage, my stomach, all of that. It says this is a chariot for Teferit, which is beauty. And then it says my right thigh is a chariot for Netzach. This is like your victory, your ambitions, goals, fighting for things. Then it says uh, your left thigh is a chariot for hode again this is like your splendor glory and then it says my circumcision uh, yep we all know what that is so we're just going to keep moving is yesod which is foundation or the zodic and then it's so basically this is where spiritual connects to the physical it comes through yesod this is why when a man and a woman become intimate with one another, that there is such a uh, kedusha to that act, which is why it should not be tainted. It should not be a man and a man or a woman and a woman or someone who isn't married. So you shouldn't be having uh, this union outside of kedushin, which is marriage. Go through the hoopah first and then you can do all that. But anyway, so. The final one, and it says the um, the end of Yisod here is Malkut, which is the kingdom. So when you bring the physical into the spiritual, this is the kingdom of Hashem. This is why Yeshua says, seek first the kingdom, the Malkut of God, because this is where all the spiritual becomes the physical. So before we can get any deeper into Kabbalah, Gamatria, Hasidus, Torah, like inner dimension stuff, uh, Torah, Hanistar, basically, all the spirituality, the mysticalness, we got to make sure it's physical. We got to make sure we're good hearted people, we're seeking Hashem, we're staying connected to Torah. You know, keeping everything on a Peshat level, we've read the Torah portion, we've read Mashiach's words, you know, and we're we're living life. You know, we're making pun like truly, we're making good choices. You know, we're eating kosher, we're keeping the Shabbat. If we're a guy, we're wearing zitzit. Um, if we're a woman, we're dressing modestly. You know, like doing these things we're making sure we get malkut first because if you get malkut everything else follows okay so 
This is the introduction to the GT series. Hope everyone's okay. We're now making our final descent. Uh, so let's do that with the letter MEM. So this is a, a brand new um, suit here that I have. Not to be confused with clothing because we're not supposed to buy clothing during the three weeks. But these is uh, clothing you know not of. This is a different kind of clothing. Sleek eye, it's called Torah. So this is uh, Sefer Otiot, literally Otiot, which is the book of letters. And this is by Rab or, um, Rabbi Kushner. All right, so shout out to Rabbi Kushner with Sefer Otiot. Uh, I'm going to call it Sefer O-E-O-E-O. -E -O -E -O, and I can't sing right now, so I won't be able to put that in song. But anyway... Let's read about the mem. All right, so mem. It is mem day. And uh, Rosh Chodesh Av is also coming up. This is, according to this podcast, it'll be the day after this day. So uh, remember, our, uh, our morning picks up a little bit uh, that we will not, uh, in addition to not taking a haircut, not buying new clothes, uh, we're now going to get into not clipping our fingernails, and we're also going to get into no wine drinking during the six days, but we can on Shabbat, and no meat eating during the six days, but we can on Shabbat. So, I mean, get ready for no meat and wine, meat lovers. <laughs> we're now going to mourn that. So, uh, you got one more day, get your meat and wine out. Obviously, we have some Shabbats between Rosh Hodesh, uh, Menachem Av, and Tishba Av. But during the non-Shabbat days, no meat, no wine. In addition to no music, no new clothing, uh, no bathing. That's also coming up. Sponge bath if you need to. Uh, if you get super soiled, take a shower. Don't be stinky like that, okay? Like, that's just wrong. You don't need things growing on you. Okay, if you start seeing growth, uh, scrub it. All right. That's not morning. That'll be something different if you start having that go on. So anyway, the letter Mem, it says Mem is the substance of Mother Earth. It is water. The substance of earth is water. And the substance of mankind, by the way, is water. We're over three-fourths of us is water. Hashem is trying to tell us something. Because, you know, Mem represents Torah, represents Moshe, represents Mashiach. Literally, the open Mem, the Mem that you find in the beginning or middle of a word, represents Moses. And the final Mem, which you find at the end of a word, represents Mashiach. So... It begins with Moshe. It culminates in Mashiach. This is why Mashiach can be called the end of the Torah, as is written to the Romans. So anyway, the goal of Torah is Mashiach. That's why the final Mem is what it is. Okay. So Mem, by the way, if you spell Mem, it could be Mem, Mem, like open Mem, close Mem. And this word is Mayim, if you add a Yod. So then... It says, Mayim, and it's, and it is the wilderness, which is Midbar. 
meat bar through which we wonder and are made ready. Okay? So the word Maim, the word meat bar, wilderness, mem. Mashiach, who is the living water, went into the wilderness and he fasted, which means he didn't eat or drink for 40 days. 40 is the gematria of mem. Okay, so mem, water, wilderness, Mashiach, like it's all coming together. Okay, it says it is the food which is ma'akal, ma'akol or ma'akal, which is and also the word uh, melaka, which is the word for work. Which we must do for food. So we got ma'akal, which is food, and malaka, which is work. So we have to work for our food. And it says, and it is the work which we must not do in order to rest, which the word for rest is menucha, and keep the Shabbat. So when you keep the Shabbat, it's called menucha. Which is also written to the Hebrews that says that those who were disobedient could never enter into my rest. And so if you're disobedient, you don't enter into the rest of Hashem. And then the rest of Hashem being the Shabbat. So those who aren't keeping the Shabbat. Oh, look at that. They aren't obedient. So that's not to haha point out fingers or anything. But just from a simple understanding of what is Manuka. And knowing that Manuka is what you experience when you keep the Shabbat. But if you don't keep the Shabbat, then you're experiencing Malacha, which is work. And it's just kind of like, okay. Uh, it says, the Mem also is the result of the combination of two separate letters. The Kaf and the Vav. Kaf is 20 Vav is six, so Mem is 26, which is the divine name of Hashem. So Mem represents the Tetragrammaton, i.e. Hashem, or when we read Torah and pray, it is pronounced Adonai. Okay, so it says the Vav is attached to the back of its neck. The vav being connect to the, connected to the back of the neck of the cough. It says, by one point. So it's literally like you got the cough and like the tippy top of the cough. It's got the vav connecting there and then going down. So it says, and this is uh, one point to the forehead of the cough. So you got one vav on the head there doing this thing. And it says, since the final mem and the samic are so similar, uh, great care must be taken to ensure that the final mem has easily recognizable corners on the bottom so that the letter samic, on the other hand, must be rounded. Okay. So that's just a few thing on uh, Mem. Also, it's the word uh, mitzvot, which is commandments.
but I'm really curious though on this whole uh, this Vav being attached to the back of the neck okay so it's talking about okay so the Vav because we read right to left right so the Vav if you're looking at a Mem has its face pointing to the left but the back of its neck like right beneath its head is connected to the cough of the mem. So you got the forehead connected to the back of the neck. So like the the vav in a sense is leaned back onto the cough. And the cough is like into like a hand covering a mouth. So like when you cough or when you cough, <laughs> you know, you cover your mouth. So you're like covering the back of someone's neck and uh, so this interesting picture that comes up here if you take your hand cuff it and cover the back of your neck you normally do that if you're sore so the vav representing man having a sore neck or you massage that area of your your neck if you have a headache or something like that and so, you know, what we're kind of looking at here is a picture of comfort, looking at a picture of healing, so to speak, and uh, therapy. And so this would be why water is so therapeutic. This would be why water is nourishing. This would be why Torah is the same thing and everything that we've talked about thus far. So anyway, Mim is 40. Uh, and if you spell it out, mem, mem, it becomes 80. And then, of course, add the yod and it's maim. Mem, yod, mem is 40 plus 10 plus 40, which equals 90, which is the word melek, which is king. And king and water and mem have this beautiful relationship. Uh, we anoint a king by water. Mashiach, who is the king of kings, is the fountain of living waters, which is the Mem, which is the Torah. The Torah is likened to water, and there's all that. So anyway, Baruch Abah B'Shem Adonai. Baruch Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam, Asher Natan Lanu Torat Emet, Vechaye Olam Natavet Okeinu. Baruch Adonai Notain HaTorah. Amen. May we experience the final redemption speedily and soon in our days. Toda Rabbah for joining me on this podcast.